Oh, man. I'll tell you what. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Good to... Man, our prayer time this morning was awesome. Fired up. Andy had a great word. He, he, he could get up here and preach it, but well... <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great word. So, you know, if you didn't like mine, just ask Andy after service. He'll give you a good one. Um, you know, I was thinking uh, this morning, I'm like, man, I miss Pastor James. How many of you guys miss Pastor James? <laughs> I miss him. You know, I mean, I miss him, just who he is, how he leads uh, this body, his friendship and brotherhood for many of us. And so, you know, we're going to continue to be praying for our pastor uh, and his family as they... Um, continue the sabbatical, and I just, um, I just have a sense God is doing cool things, even though I haven't bugged him yet to ask, but uh, I just am really excited about what God's doing in, in the, just in their personal lives, not about our church or the vision or where we're going, but what God's doing in them, uh, because you know what? That's going to help him lead. That's going to help their family, uh, is how is Jesus working in him, his life, his wife, his kids, uh, so we're going to keep praying. I know all of you are praying with me. You know, a few weeks ago, like many of you, I was parked on the couch watching the Super Bowl, right? And um, and uh, one thing that jumped out to me was one of the commercials. And I just want—I just want to—I won't even try to explain it. But I want you to—you probably all seen this commercial, but I want to just show you this commercial. So go ahead and roll it if you got it ready there. <laughs> well, number one, Kia, if you're watching, you can send me a check. I just plugged your product. <laughs> What's that have to do with talking faith? Well, think about this. Whoever made that ad somehow used a completely inanimate object to make us feel something about another inanimate object, okay? A robot dog made me feel something about a car, right? And, and, and that's the power of a narrative. That's the power of a story. And our culture is all about story. This is why the media is so huge. This is why all the streaming services are, you know, you got subscriptions to 15 streaming services in your house. It's because we love stories, right? We love movies. Social media allows you to create your own little story right? No matter how fake it is, it allows you to create that story and just know that. And, you, and you're looking at other people's stories saying, that's not their real life. I know them, right? But, but it allows us to craft our own story. I was thinking about the news media. Don't, you know, we don't even want to get started with that, right? They don't tell the news. They call them stories, don't they? Um, because there's a narrative. Sometimes it's more true to life. Sometimes it may not be. But there's a narrative, and we all are looking for that. The whole world is looking for a story that makes them feel something. 
That's why a robot dog with cute little eyes can make me want to buy an electric car, right? Thinking about our relationship with God and how we have genuine conversations, we need to understand that the story that we have is the most powerful story that has ever occurred because it was a real story, is a real story that continues in our life. Not only the historical aspects of the story, not only the history, but the actuality of what Jesus does in our life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when we think about our story, we are introducing people. When we're talking faith, when we're having genuine conversations about our faith, we are introducing people to the most powerful life-changing story, and it's real, and they can experience it. It's not just a historical story to learn. How many of you guys remember uh, when Passion of the Christ came out? You know, what was, more, what was so powerful about that, about that movie First, when it came out, I said, oh, good, a movie about Jesus, you know, that's big budget. Maybe people learn a little bit about Jesus. But when you went to the theater, if you went to that in the theater, it was packed out. And when, when it went to those scenes of Jesus suffering, you just hear people sobbing, like weeping, men, women. I mean, it was a phenomenon because God's Spirit was doing something. People weren't just sad about the movie. They were connecting with Jesus did that for me. And I remember at that time being a youth pastor and kids would come out of that. I mean, teenagers who'd been so desensitized to everything, they'd come out of that movie and they just, they, they were almost like telling me, what must I do to be saved? I mean, it was that kind of desperation and hunger because the story was a true story. I mean, you guys remember the movie was subtitled in like, and it was, it was an Aramaic and subtitled. And still the power of the Holy Spirit working through the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done impacted lives in such a way that I know personally many lives that were changed because they heard the story and they saw the story. And the great part is it's just as powerful when it comes through your life. It doesn't need to be a commercial doesn't need to be a movie. Your life is actually more tangible, <clears throat> excuse me, more real than anything anyone would ever see on a screen. So we're launching a new series called Talking Faith, Genuine Conversations About Our Faith. I mean, how many of us have seen presentations of the gospel or presentations of what it means to be a Christian that didn't really look very genuine? that seem forced or maybe seem focused on money. I think we've all seen that. Or maybe we're focused on a charismatic personality other than Jesus. We don't like that. And guess what? Our culture doesn't like that. No one likes to be pandered to. We don't like it when things are fake. And I still believe, and I've seen this with my own eyes, our culture is still hungry for the real thing. Our culture is hungry for the real thing. Not just a great story, but a true narrative, a true story about a person that transforms lives and can transform their life. People are looking to feel. People are looking to be transformed. They just don't know what it means. And this series is all about how we talk about this good news. How do we help people have an encounter? We're called Encounter Church. And one of our Values, one of our beliefs is that we should be being or going out to be the encounter. We go from here to be the 
encounter. And this is what this is about. How do I go out of these four walls, go out of this place, and really be an encounter by having genuine conversations about Jesus? So if you're uh, taking notes or you got your outline, the title of this message is Your Life, His Story. Your Life, His Story. Let's uh, turn to the uh, Bible, get your Bible if you got it. Um, we'll have it up on the screen. And it's chapter 17 of the book, in the book of Acts, starting in uh, verse 16. But let's pray before we get into it. Lord, we believe you're going to speak um, to us. We believe, Lord, that uh, you want us to be this incredible reflection of who you are. Um, and sometimes we don't feel like it, and sometimes we don't even know how to do that, and sometimes it feels like we fail at that. But Lord, thank you, God, that you're bigger than all of that. Lord, you don't need something pretty to present yourself, Lord. You just need something real. And Lord, that's what we want to be, in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you look in uh, chapter 17, Paul is on one of his missionary journeys. Paul was sent out uh, by the church to travel all around the known world at that time. And he, in his second missionary journey, he's going around modern-day Turkey and Greece and traveling to some of these ancient Roman cities and sharing the gospel. And we need to understand culturally what was happening here. This was not a culture that would have been receptive to the story of Jesus. This was a culture that had plenty of other stories. In fact, choose your own adventure. Whatever you want, no matter how depraved, no matter how ugly, you can do it. Children were thrown away in this culture or sold. It was just so depraved, so broken, we would walk in and say, what is happening here? We wouldn't recognize it at all. But Paul recognized it. Paul had lived in that. He understood it. And so in verse 20, uh, verse 16, Paul is in the city of Athens for a short period of time. Athens would have been one of the spiritual centers. You think about the pantheon of the Greek and Roman gods. This would have been one of the central places. All of their monuments, all of their temples, all of this worship that was done in so many different ways that we wouldn't even recognize, it was happening right in the midst. And Paul's there for a short period of time. He walks through the city, and he sees all of these idols, all of these false gods that they're worshiping, including an idol to an unknown god. These people were so superstitious that just in case they missed a false god, they better set up another idol. And actually, the story behind that um, is there was a plague and they were offering sacrifices to all these gods, all these gods. And they said, well, let's just every god, the unknown god. Maybe the unknown god will help us. But isn't that interesting? Just, just like us, just like our culture, they were searching for a story. A story that could actually transform. A story that could actually heal. A story that actually could change their lives. So Paul sees all this and he has an opportunity to speak to the intellectuals of that day in the public, squ uh, public square. Verse 16, it says, Paul was waiting uh, for them, that was the rest of his colleagues uh, that were on this journey at Athens. His spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, these would have been the philosophical schools in Athens, were conversing with him. Some were saying, 
what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others seem to be, others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities. Man, they thought Jesus was strange. I mean, if you knew what they were worshiping, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection, he's preaching the good news. He's preaching Jesus Christ was crucified and rose from the dead, forgiving our sins, giving us his transforming power. So they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, which was the location where all the new philosophical ideas would be discussed, saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming, for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. Think about that, our culture. We could say about our culture, we spend all our time doing nothing but seeing what's the next thing on. What's upcoming? What's new? What's coming? I want to see it. Have you seen the new thing that came out? It's very interesting. Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe you are very religious in all respects. He's pretty, pretty respectful there, isn't he? For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he, he himself gave to all, the, all people life and breath and all things, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live, move, and exist. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children." And then he goes on to share the gospel with them, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done. And, and people think he's crazy, but a few people don't. A few people don't. And so I want to focus on verse 26 and 27 today, because not only is it Paul having a genuine conversation about his faith, it actually provides some principles as we try and have genuine conversations about our faith. You know, this is your life, but He wants people to see His story. And you, I mean, we, I've said, I said this already, but I'll say it again. You are the most genuine presentation of God's story that those God has placed around you will ever see. You are the most genuine presentation of God's story. So how do we do that effectively? Well, let's go back and look at, look at the Scriptures. It says in uh, verse 26, talking about God, He made all things, and He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times, the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God. Think about this. Think about what that's saying. God put everybody in certain places at certain times, not by chance, so that they would seek God. And it says, not that they would just seek Him, perhaps they might actually grope for Him 
and find Him. Think about this. Maybe, just maybe, there is someone out there who was born in this time, in this place, and was put right next to you, and they're groping for God, and they're going to find Him through you. But first, you better understand your story. All right? That's the first point. Understand your story. We're talking about genuine conversations. Do you have a genuine relationship with Christ? The good news of that question is I don't get to judge that. I don't get to say, well, this person has it, this person doesn't. Between you and Him. It's a question, Lord, do we have the kind of relationship that you want to have with me? If I just said a prayer at one time and then try to follow God's principles, man, that's a great thing. I want you to say a prayer accepting Jesus into your life, saying, Lord, be my Savior, forgive me. I know you died for me. I know that, that God, you gave your one and only Son to sacrifice Himself for my sins, and I want you in my life. Save me. Yes, that's a great prayer to have. And it's great then to look at God's principles and say, this is the way I want to live my life. Absolutely wonderful things. But is that genuine relationship? Not necessarily. Let's go back to Paul. Remember, Paul would have said he had this incredible relationship with God. In fact, he was doing God's will and shutting down the gospel because that's what he thought God wanted. But he didn't have a relationship with God until God met him on the road to Damascus and he realized the very person that he was persecuting was the one that he was saying he was serving. And suddenly a relationship began between him and Jesus. You know, he met Jesus, and he spent time with Jesus. We know from his testimony that he spent massive amounts of time just receiving from the Lord before he even stepped out and shared his faith. In fact, there was a time where he was sharing his faith, and the, and the, the uh, leaders of the church said, Paul, knock it off. You're causing problems. And, and actually, he pulled back, and God started doing things in his life. You know, think about being married. And in fact, that's the picture of Christ in the church. That's the relationship picture. If I had a wonderful, beautiful wedding day and we said the most beautiful vows and everyone had took great pictures and it was amazing, and then I lived my life by the principles of a married person. What's a married person do? Well, wear, I'm going to wear the wedding ring, right? Um, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to pursue anyone else, I'm committed for life to this person, but I never talked to them, what kind of marriage would that be? How could I talk to you about who my wife was? I couldn't. I wouldn't really know her. I couldn't tell you what she was like. I couldn't tell you how she was. We're just roommates, right? We're just roommates. I don't know her hopes, her dreams. I don't know what she'd like to do. We're certainly not doing it together. We're not pursuing life together because all we got is the wedding day where we made the covenant but we don't have genuine relationship. And I think when we talk about genuine conversations about faith, you need to have a genuine conversation about your faith with Jesus. What does it look like? And what does that actually look like? Guys, it doesn't look like I just fulfill what everybody says I should do for my devotional life. How many chapters of the Bible are you reading a day? Right? 
did you go through your prayer list today and pray for Aunt Edna? All right, if you're an Aunt Edna, I'm not talking about you. It's a different Aunt Edna, okay? All right, did you go through the prayer list? No. I remember someone said this to me, and it really just struck me, it's that we don't read the Bible to do our devotional duty to, to the Lord. We read our Bible to know Him more. We ask the Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me about who you are, about I want to fall more in love with Jesus. I want to fall more in love with the Father. Speak to me about who you are. And our prayer life isn't just going through a list. I got these prayer requests. We better go through them. I remember um, the last uh, church I was leading at, I walked into the prayer meeting and they had like 30, 40 prayer requests. And they would just go through those prayer requests. And I loved that. But I said, guys, can we just spend some time with Jesus? And like the whole room, it was like a, a breath, just everybody just went, oh. Because can you imagine praying through 40 prayer requests without the heart of the Father, right? How genuine are those prayers going to be? And we just would spend time with Him and let Him speak to us. And we'd talk to Him. This is a dialogue. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but my prayer life looks pretty raw. I'm saying, God, I feel like garbage today. You know, and if you're talking to another Christian, they're like, you're not garbage. Come on, positive confession. <laughs> Jesus actually doesn't do that really very often. He'll be like, come here, son. I love you. I love you. How am I feeling? God, I feel scared. God, I feel hurt. God, I, I feel rejected. Are you telling him how you feel? Are you having a genuine conversation about you with him? Because how are you going to have a genuine conversation about him with someone else? If you're not having a genuine conversation with Him about you, where am I at? And again, friends, listen, you can have an intimate relationship with Jesus and in the short term not be doing very well, right? Okay, I could be in rehab and not be doing real well, okay? But through that process, something is going to happen, right? There's going to be a heart change, so it all starts with understanding your story with Him, not your story about how well you're doing in your Christian life or your Christian walk. That all is a byproduct of an incredible relationship, right? Anything that happens good in my marriage is a byproduct of a good relationship. If our kids are doing well, if there's all these wonderful signs of a healthy marriage that people can see on the outside, it certainly isn't because we're doing that well. It's because we have an intimate relationship where iron is sharpening iron and God's doing something in our lives. And it's the same in your relationship with Him. It doesn't have to be pretty to be intimate and genuine. In fact, some of the most effective evangelists I know, man, they're still struggling with their own stuff. And guess what? Everyone can see that, and they're genuine about that because they're genuine with Him. They're not trying to put a mask up. So I love it because in, as we look on in the Scripture or, or explore the Scripture a little more, you look a little um, prior in verse 22 and 23, Paul stood in the, in, in the Areopagus, and otherwise known as Mars Hill. Maybe you've heard that term before. And he said, "Men of Athens, I observe you are very religious in all respects. Now, actually, if you look at the geography of Mars Hill, if you actually were in Athens, ancient Athens, and you were on this hill, you could see all the temples. So he's probably literally saying, hey, I see that you're religious. I see that you got all this stuff going on. 
I see that you're worshiping, you know, over there is, uh, Art, you know, Dionysius, over there is, you know, whoever, Athena, right, Athens. You know, these, these, are, these, are, these are things that I see that you're doing, and I understand where you're at. I even saw you have this altar to an unknown God. See, in a very short period of time, Paul got to know their story. He read the room. Very important to read the room with people. Sometimes I feel like we're giving people something they're not even asking for. You know, one of, one of, our, one of my friends said, you, you really can't answer a question nobody's asking. And that's what we do often. You know, you should be doing this. And they're like, what? I, I didn't even know. that was. I didn't ask you, right? <laughs> you ever had that experience? You know, the other day I was uh, coaching some uh, seven, eight-year-olds in swimming. And I'm trying to get them to... Uh, get the proper body position so they're not sinking as they're swimming. You know, very important, very important thing. And, I, and, and, and I'm just telling them, okay, float. I want you to just float. Like, and so they're trying to float and, you know, they're, they're adjusting their head position and, you know, and, 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 and they're hating it. And I'm like, okay, guys, pay attention. We're going to do this. If you don't do this, I'm going to pull you out of here and we're going to do push-ups on the deck. And they, in, in a perfect chorus, they all said, yay! And I'm like, and the parents are all behind me just dying. They're laughing. And I'm like, fine, get out of here. We're doing push-ups. And they're like, yay, I totally misread the room. They would rather do push-ups than float in the pool. Like, what do I know, right? I just learned something about seventh, eighth graders. But are we doing that as we're getting to know other people's story? Do we actually know how they feel about things? Do we actually know what they think about things? Are we genuinely desiring to get to know someone's story before we share our faith? Get to know their story. Because their story right now is the most important story they know. It is the most important story they know. Whatever it is. I mean, Paul's like, hey, I see you have a pantheon of gods and even one you don't even know. That's your story right now. You know, God cares about what you've been through. He cares about your story. When you have a genuine relationship with Him, you realize that and suddenly it's not something you have to work up. Suddenly there's a love that flows out of you that cares about their story, even if it's messy, even if it's so far from the gospel story that you're just saying, I want to hear your story. What God cares about what someone's been through, what they think about, and what's going on in their heart. And you want them to see Jesus. You know, there was a, a, a fellow that uh, I rent a little shop. And it's just like this tiny little office building. And I just leave my door open. There really isn't anybody ever there. But I'm like, if anyone shows up, I want them to know there's a door open, right? And, and actually, someone moved in the office down the hall. And my door was open, and they poked their head in, you know, hey, what's going on? And I start talking to this, this fellow named James. We start talking about all kinds of stuff, all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, he, he's this crazy entrepreneur, and he has all these insane ideas, so we're just, you know, riffing together, and I'm just, I'm just listening to him because he's talking about the 15,000 ideas he has for business, and it's just, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And then the other day, just... Oh, Less than a week ago, he walks in and he says, I just lost my job. I gave my life to this job. I just lost my job. 
He didn't say it like that, friends. <laughs> there was, uh, it was very, it was much longer and much more colorful than the way I just said it. And James, if you're watching, I love you, buddy. You know? But you know what? I had asked genuine questions about his life. Genuine. I, I, I loved hearing about his crazy ideas. Then when it came to something that was hard that was happening in his life, he wanted to talk. I didn't even have to ask the question. And I'll tell you the rest of the story in a little bit. But the West, best way to begin a genuine conversation about faith is to ask genuine questions about someone else's story. That's the first step. Genuine questions. Next time you read through the Gospels, count how many questions Jesus asked. Count how many. There's actually over 300, but you can count them for yourself, all right? <laughs> There's 300 questions, over 300 questions Jesus asked. In fact, more often than not, people ask him something and he returned, he asked them a question. And sometimes it seems like a, just a very benign question. Hey, give me some water. But if you know that story, he asked a woman to give him some water and it opened up the door to actually her coming to faith in that moment. He asked questions many, many times because he was trying to get to someone's heart, whether his disciples, whether someone who wanted to follow him, whether it was the religious Elites who were prideful, he asked so many questions because he wanted to get to people's hearts. It's the best way. And trust me, Jesus genuinely cared about them. He came knowingly ready to die for them. His questions were genuine. He wanted everyone to come to know him. He wanted everyone to trust in him. Even some of his tough questions we're genuine. I remember I sat down with a young man, um, and uh, his, a, a bunch of his friends knew me, and they said, you need to talk to my buddy. Well, why? Well, he's really into the Norse gods, like o Odin and Thor, and he's like super into this, and he like praised them, and I'm like, okay, like, we'll talk. What do you want me to do? Like, rebuke him or something for like, because for, like, he's praying to Thor? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But anyways, I, I remember sitting down and we're talking just generally, and I just said, I said, you know, do you really think, I mean, I'm just asking, I'm not judging you if you really think this, because I really think Jesus rose from the dead, and that's a pretty crazy thing to believe, okay? So I'm not judging you, but do you think like Odin is sitting in Asgard with his son Thor, and I don't know if Loki's involved, I don't know what's going on in Asgard, Okay, I've seen some Marvel movies. I don't know how, I don't, you know. And so we're, we're laughing about this. But I said, do you really believe that? Do you believe that Odin's up there and you can have this relationship with Odin? And I was genuine about that. You know, I mean, even we were joking about it, but it was genuine. And I thought, oh boy, I'm going to offend this guy. But I really wanted to get at his heart. And what he said, he's like, you know what? He's like, let me tell you, I don't know. He said, I do know I was serving and I think he was in Iraq. He might have been in Afghanistan. He's like, I was serving in the Middle East. A bomb went off, and I was right in the blast radius, and it was like a, a piece of pie was cut out of the blast radius, and I was right in it, and I don't know 
why I'm alive today. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> how did a simple question get there? A challenging question. I really like, I mean, if this guy's, you know, but he was searching. This is what was happening. He was hungry for a story, and that just happened to be a story that was interesting to him. He liked the idea of it, and he liked the idea that maybe there is something out there. You know, I love that. Ask genuine questions about someone else's story. You know, the interesting exception to this is there will be times in your life where you meet someone you don't even know, and God will drop something into your heart for you to tell them, a prophetic word. That does happen. It's very awesome when that happens. The good news of that, it's still the same principle because who actually knows their life more than you? God does. So if He gives you something, you can share that, okay? But I'd say in 99% of the instances I've been in, a simple question has opened up doors that I never thought would happen. That's how you get to know their story. And so so Paul goes on to say, Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, I'm about to proclaim it to you. You know, my, um, my friend James, he uh, comes in and says, I, I lost my job. I gave my whole life to this. And I, I, just, I just didn't know really what to say. But I said, can I pray for you? I said, I don't know what you believe. I don't know how, but is, I mean, I, I follow Jesus. Can I just pray for you? Okay, sure, I guess. And we prayed, and God's presence was there. And I began praying God's destiny over his life. All the stuff that I knew about him, that I knew God cared about, I began praying over him. God, you know this is a man who has creativity. God, you know this is a man who had dreams and hopes, and you put these gifts inside of him. And God, I know you have a plan. And Lord, maybe you close this door for him to step out into something new. And I began to prophesy over his life. And we get done, and he's like, and now he's sharing with me all the new dreams he's having and what he's going to pursue. And literally, he wants me to be involved. He's like, hey, let's go into business together. I'm like, hey, man, as long as I can keep praying for you, that's, that's fine. But something's happening there, see? Something's happening there. Really, once you get to know their story, then you can help people see how their story fits into the bigger story. Because their story is important. But it's a smaller piece that's meant to fit into a bigger story, God's story for their life. It's your life, but it is His story. So I just, you know, as as we uh, are starting to get done, I just want to share four quick little principles how we can practically begin to pursue sharing with people how their story fits into the bigger story. Number one, ask God for opportunities to share. Ask Him. When you're going into a situation where you're going to be around people that need to hear the story, they need to hear it. They need to hear about Jesus. God, would you give me opportunity to share? Would you learn, would you give me the opportunity to share? We need to learn to do that regularly. God, There's people out there who need to know you. I have this awesome, genuine relationship with you, and you're speaking into my life. This is so great. My life is changing, maybe slowly, but my life is changing, right? And I want the opportunity, whatever it looks like, 
One of the best ways is learn how to pray for people. And I don't mean, I'll pray for you, bro, right? <laughs> they tell you something, pray for you, right? Or did you? Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully you did. I forget sometimes. You see him again, you're like, Lord, help him. I just prayed for him. Hey, man, I've been praying for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's be honest with ourselves, right? Don't want to be a hypocrite, so I'll just be hypocrite light and pray like, right? you know? So, oh, man. Oh, it's so real. All right. Anyways, but here's what I would say. Learn how to pray right then. Learn how to pray right then and learn how to pray led by the Spirit. How do you do that? Open your mouth. He'll fill it. You don't know what to say? Bless them. Speak God's heart over them. Okay? And here's, here's just a little practical piece of advice. When you, when you ask to pray, say, hey, can I pray for you like 10 seconds? Because you don't want, I mean, they might have had some bad experience in the past where someone like 30 minutes, like, I'm not letting you go, right? I've, I've run into that before. So sometimes it's helpful just to say, hey, can I pray for you for like 10 seconds? And they're like, 10 seconds I can do, right? And God can do a lot in 10 seconds. All right, just ask Paul. I don't know how long his encounter with Jesus lasted, but I think it was pretty quick and it was pretty powerful and it changed his life. But learn how to pray for people. Right then, right there, and step out. You know, at the end of um, Ephesians, at the end of Ephesians uh, 6, Paul talks about how, hey, pray for me that I might boldly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel as I should. I love that prayer because here's Paul, Paul. We look at Paul in Athens. I'm like, man, that's pretty bold. Right? He's just out in the marketplace, he's out in the synagogues, and they invite him up to the philosophical schools, and he's just, hey, Jesus, deal with it, right? And we're like, wow, that's amazing, right? That's so bold. Why was he so bold? He was asking for prayer. He wasn't. He was just as timid as you and I. He's saying, look, um, pray that I boldly proclaim the gospel as I should. What does that mean? He hadn't. There were times he didn't. He knew he should, but he didn't. So, hey, guys, pray for me that I'm, I'm, I have the opportunity, I'm in the right place, and I have the right words, and I'm filled with boldness. Does it take a little boldness? Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, I am sometimes the most insecure, scared person in the world, okay? All these stories were not me being bold. It was me saying, Lord, I don't know what to say, but here I am. There is someone groping for you, and they're right next to me. And I'm glad they're right next to me. So help me say something. And usually, I mean, I'm telling you, the most powerful times have been when I just prayed. Because I know how to pray. I can pray. <laughs> me and Jesus spend a lot of time. I pray a lot for myself. So I should know how to pray for others by now. <laughs> God, help them, you know, because that's what I'm praying for me. <laughs> Number three, learn how to invite people into your life. Learn how to invite people into your life. You know, um, that's a big one, actually. It requires some vulnerability. It requires things to get a little bit intimate, close. Someone's maybe in my life a little more than I thought they would be. Um, you know, one of my neighbors does this really well. Um, I mean, really well. I love that he does this. He, he runs a neighborhood barbecue, and he gets a whole pig, all right? And he sticks that pig in the smoker. And invites the whole neighborhood over to come over and have smoke. If you're a vegetarian, don't, don't be 
I love you. Okay, I'm not trying to cause you to stumble, all right? But I was happy there was a huge roasted pig. And the whole neighborhood shows up. And his purpose in that, I know it is. We talked about it. His purpose, I want to get to know my neighbors. I want to hopefully share the love of Jesus with them. So he invites them all into his life. You know, our church is part of our life. Are we inviting people into our church? Is this a place where anybody could come in and they, and, and they would feel like, I don't know what the story is here, but I want to know a little more. Invite people in your life. It's difficult, it's challenging, but the opportunities will be there. And it's the most powerful thing when you invite someone into your life because suddenly they get to see it up close. And not just the good stuff. They get to see when you're frustrated. They get to see when you're hurt, and they get to see what you do. They actually get to see the transforming work of Jesus in your life, and you get to share it. You know, it's happened so many times with these kids at swim practice where, you know, they're talking about something, and then I'll share some tidbit from my past, and they're like, what, you did that? I'm like, yes, Jesus has done a lot of work in my life. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And it's like, okay, we're starting to share, but I got to invite them into that. They need to know a little bit of my past, okay? They need to know some of my stuff. They need to know when I'm having a bad day. They want to know because it's intimate. There's friendship. You just said, guess what? I love you enough to make you part of my story. Maybe ultimately I want you to know the biggest story in the world, but I love you enough to invite you into my story. Don't be discouraged by negative responses, all right? For every story I shared, there was (laughs) plenty of stories where it was like, this didn't go well. We were doing a car wash one time, and it was free, totally free. And everybody's car that we washed, we'd say, hey, we just want to show you the love of God in a practical way. We love you. God loves you. and We want you to know that. That's why we washed your car. Pretty simple, right? And people are like, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. We're like, oh, we feel so good. One guy's like, no, I have to pay you. I said, no, no, you can't. Jesus, the gift, Jesus' gift was free. He gave his life for you and me. It was free. It was free. God gave his one and only son. I began sharing the gospel with him. And he says, no, I have to pay you. I mean, it, there was a moment where I'm like, this is going to go to like, like he wants to punch me because I'm not letting him pay. And so we said, I said, I don't know what to do, man. Go in, go in the store over there, buy the kids some cookies. I'm not going to let you give us money. But he wouldn't receive it, see? We got to receive it. You know, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never actually received that free gift for yourself. Maybe your story with Jesus, though he's been reaching out to you, he's been working in your life, he's been calling you to himself since the day you were born. He put you in that place. He put you in that position. He's been drawing you to himself. Maybe you haven't been reaching out to him and saying, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. Maybe you can't receive it. Maybe you're even watching online and you haven't made that decision. I want you to understand the story that is happening. And you, ha- you don't even know yet you're a part of it, but you are. I came to Christ in my college years, but I can look back and I can see his hand. I love how Peter, Pastor Peter shared that too. God was working in these moments where 
I don't even know, God, of how you would be working in it, but he is. He's drawing you to himself. He's put you in a specific place, specific time, maybe right here this morning, maybe right there sitting in your chair watching this online. And it's your moment during prayer. One of our leaders felt like God was saying, this is the day. Maybe for you, this is the day. Maybe for you, this is the day. So just really simply with me right now, you can just pray, Jesus, I receive you into my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you forgave my sins. And I want to begin a relationship with you. And I want you to lead me in this incredible story you have for my life. And if you made that decision, we want to talk to you. We want to walk with you. This is church. A bunch of people walking through their stuff together with Jesus. But church, this is the day for somebody, and it probably is going to be somebody in your circle. And as you go out into the world this week, somebody's reaching for God around you. You'd be sitting right next to them and and they're reaching for God. And you get to be the presentation of the biggest, most amazing, most incredible story the world has ever seen. The story that is true, that happened, and is still transforming lives as we speak in this room. And we get to be the presentation. Get to know their story your story and let's be that presentation let's help people see it Lord thank you thank you God for this incredible honor even in our brokenness even in our lack of ability Lord you still choose us to go out into the world Lord you choose us to be the light of the world not on our own Lord We're filled with who you are. Lord, and I thank you that in our weakness, in our weakness, God, you'll show yourself strong. It's not our strength that the world needs to see. Lord, the world didn't need to see how powerful you were. They needed to see how loving you were. And they saw it through the brokenness of the cross. Lord, thank you that we can introduce people to someone who knows their pain. We can introduce them to someone who can come into their pain and bring the power of Almighty God into their lives. And we're thankful, Jesus, that we get to be a part of that. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts, open our eyes to see what you see and step out in the ways you've called us. And just like Paul prayed, God, Give us the boldness to boldly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel as we should. In Jesus' name.